there weren't any therapists, you know, back in the Old or New Testament. If you start looking at some of the characters in the Bible, you'll start picking up some stuff. Like, did they battle depression? I'm pretty sure Job did. Look at his life and all his, all the loss, all the grief for years, one after another. How he was still living, I don't know. I don't know. Hey, what's going on, Unseen? Uh, we are back with another episode, um, one that I am really excited to talk about and to get into. Uh, my name is Joanza Fanellis. I am one of the leaders of the Unseen Collective, and this is a home team podcast. We have no guests today. It is um, another leader we have on just to di- di- dissect a conversation that um, I think is long overdue when it comes to unseen podcasts and just topics in general. Um, we have Joanna, Joanna Munoz, who I affectionately call Joe Bars, because as you will see in this episode, she'll be dropping mad bars um, <laughs> uh, with us. Uh, she is a social work, people inspecting, dissecting guru. Um, who I, I mean, I, I, I love social, all things social work. I also have a degree in social work, but she's just in the upper echelon of guru dumb. I just make that word up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what we're going to get into today is um, a conversation stemming from um, a one day. This is continuation of our series of the one day that we had uh, back in May and we want, oh, back in June, excuse me. So what we want to do is Uh, talk about one of the panel conversations that we had. So we had a panel uh, that we were invited as Unseen just to come in this one day and give space for anyone who had a very difficult uh, topic that they wanted to touch on or any questions that maybe they felt they can't ask anywhere else. And we were given that mantle. And this one was a doozy. So uh, Joe, I'm going to let you introduce yourself real quick, and then we'll get into our convo after that. Hey, hey, everyone. My name is Joanna Munoz, and I don't know what else to say because I feel like he's described me. So, ditto. Ah, <laughs> uh, word, word. This. Uh, now, go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah, um, I I am honored to be named all those amazing things. Um, <laughs> Especially because I just, I am definitely a social work geek. Um, Yeah, a hundred thousand percent. So I don't know everything, but if I don't know it, I will always research it and dive dive really deep into it until I get to answers. So yes, that is me. Yes. Um, We, me and Joe geek out. We've actually, it's been a minute since we had one of our geek outs, but we can just sit and talk for a while, not just about like topics of social work, but We'll talk about shows that we've watched and be like, yo, what do you think about this person? Don't they seem like they have this thing? Yeah. And then they were obsessing about that thing. It's like, yo, aren't they? Don't they display signs of this? And we'll just go in for like ever. Uh, I miss those yeah. convos. I miss those convos. Yeah. Uh, and then you bring in the spiritual side. Oh my, That's always fun. Uh, <laughs> it's fun. Because it's both, right? The beauty of like the way the Lord's created the spirit and how it's so close to the mind makes the Bible mm-hmm. and topics like social work, psychology, sociology, just run in tandem so beautifully. Um, mm-hmm. So setting the scene, this is what happened. Um, this, this was, I can't remember which, which question this was. This was one of the earlier questions for sure. A dude stands up and he says, hey, 
I have a friend who um, I believe who who harms, who self harms, and who I sometimes am concerned about when it comes to like mental health and things with their own well being. What should I do as a friend who knows that I have another friend who self harms and some I. He, I don't know if he used this word, correct me if I'm wrong, but he definitely heavily implied suicide. Yeah. And um, this kid was definitely in like, he was in his mid-teens, maybe like 15, 16. I mean, that's the reality that now friends are, with if they don't, whatever, if they don't feel comfortable going to the professionals or if they don't have the resources or the insurance, friends have become, in the teenage realm, have become the psychologists and the counselors and the therapists that are talking to their friends about real issues that they're experiencing at home, at school, in their own minds, on online. Um, so his question was, what should I do as a friend? My heart immediately sank like, yo. Because yeah. there's so many different directions you can go. There's so many different follow-up questions that I felt like we could have asked to give more accurate information. Um, but mm-hmm. then it was Ty, who was kind of facilitating the panel, was like, Joe, you want to handle this one? <laughs> I was like, oh my goodness, Joe. But there was no one better to handle it. So I knew this dude was his ears, his 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 very vulnerable question was in safe hands with Joe. So Joe, uh, would you just take us through that roller coaster for you? What was that like? Um hearing this dude's heart, how'd you process it? And um from what you can remember, how'd you respond? Man, um I had, I had similar feelings when that, when I heard the question, immediately my heart sank. Also, I deeply just felt for him um, and with him because he's like somewhere between 15, 16 years old. And that's a lot. That's really heavy to hold on to, to, to walk around with, especially when it's a loved one and it's a friend who's your age and it's hard it's hard. And, and now as a mom, I'm like, yeah. oh my goodness, like my kids will one day walk through something like this where they'll have to hear their friends talk about this or God forbid, have some like maybe battle with feelings right. of whatever those feelings are with mental health. Yeah. And so my heart really hurt for him. I, I was, it was, it's not a shocker because, you know, in the teenage phase of life, you, your emotions are all over the place. Your mind is still being formed. So it's, it's not unheard of to have like just so much going on and everything feeling so emphasized and magnified when you're a teenager. So, you know, if you are a parent listening, if you are a leader listening, remember that. You know, what is logical to you is not fully logical to your teens because their minds are still forming mm. even after the age of 18, mm. which is crazy. But the mind is still forming. So your attention and your stewardship of your time toward them is extremely important because it helps mold their minds and, and which in turn helps mold their behaviors or emotions and so just to, it, it's not unheard of that some of this stuff is happening. It's not new, but it still hurts because it's still so much for someone to deal with, um, aside from their own possible issues. Um, 
so I was almost in shock anyway, though, yeah. because it, it's just the first thing that I felt was like, oh, my God, that's so unfair. Mm-hmm. Um, and And quickly, of course, I wanted to just... I wish that I could have spoken with him more because, you know, you really like two minutes to answer a minute to answer is not enough. Um, and clearly, like if, if there were suicidal ideations, there's so much more like you obviously you're going to get nervous and you want to dive deep and say, OK, like, how can we help you? You know, like this young man, he wants to help his friend yeah. and you get desperate. You know, you want to do it all. Um, but then as a teen, you're also scared. You're also scared of how to approach a, a, such a delicate situation. Mm-hmm. So I, what comes to mind is, you know, like as, as a person, you, you get desperate and you kind of start running wild in your mind about ways to help, whatever that means. Um, but when the first thing that came to my mind was that the Bible talks about the two brothers, Cain and Abel, and and says, you know, that you are your brother's keeper. Mm. And I'm like, man, they were pretty close in age. Mm. Yeah. And yet they were given this responsibility of each other. Dang. And so even at, you know, at such a, whatever age you're at, whoever is listening, you know, you are your brother's keeper. So that tells me that God gives us this ability to, um, to be like, to be a resource and to be present for this person, and you have the 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 capability um, to be there. I just it's it's hard to to tell someone who's so young to be like, okay, start reading these articles and research this and that, you know, so that you know how to approach this the right way, and you're not saying the wrong thing. Um, that's a lot. That's a lot to process for even adults. Yeah. Like, it's a lot. So it was, it was, it was kind of hard to just try to give him all this necessary information and not overload him and then make it feel so big that it's like, okay, well, this is impossible. Um, so what I, I tried to give him, you know, like the best that I, I could and just give him like tips about being genuine. I think everything always boils down to being genuine. I think even when you make a mistake, when you're talking to anyone, whether they're dealing with mental health issues or not, I think that when there's a relationship there and there is just this um, authenticity from whatever it is, from, from your point of view, it's that's, that is heard very loudly. Mm. I think that's what matters the most. And I think that people sometimes when it comes to mental health, get very scared of saying the wrong thing Um, that sometimes people will retreat and not say anything. Mm. And that can be dangerous um, because then that person is left in their isolation with their own thoughts, Mm -hmm. with their own issues and Christ calls us to community. Um, So I would I would urge you that if you are facing something like that and you are, you have a loved one, a friend who is having these mental health issues or battling with something um, along any kind of mental health issue, don't stay silent because you're scared. Um, Love casts out all fear. And I think that your love and Christ's love in you will, is bold enough to, to be heard um, despite 
what you may or may not know or have the right words, not have the right words. And I told the young man, you know, just when you talk to them, just be genuine. And if you don't know what to say, I think the most important thing is, again, not silence, but to say, I really don't know how to respond to this. I really don't know what to say, but I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I hear yeah. you. I love you. Whatever you think might be appropriate in that in that moment, but it's about being real. It's about being real about that moment. If I don't, if I don't have the words, I need to tell him I don't have the words. Word, word, word. That's really special. Um, I think that's hyper practical for people too. Like with such a sensitive matter, it's very easy to get like hot button words of like, you know, hey, you know, suicide hotlines or hey, like tell people not to harm yourself. And like, there's like a lot of gray there, but like, I love the concrete in that. And they're almost, they almost like dance with each other. It's like, hey, one, know that the gift of your presence, even if you're not super well-versed in conversations like this, the gift of your presence speaks volumes. And two, know that when you're, when you're, when you're so secluded and say nothing and do nothing, that only further harms the situation. Like that's, those are two practical steps that I think a lot of people can walk away with. Not that we want to equip people as if they're therapists, but the reality yeah. is, I think even if everyone who was going through mental anguish would try to run to therapy, like there wouldn't be enough therapists to really like facilitate yeah. all of the, the need. There's just so much need. So if we could be at least present for people and not be therapists, but be present enough to be like, yo, I'm here for you. You're not alone in this situation because that seclusion doesn't help. Like that's, that's beautiful. Uh, would you mind, I know you have like a lot of different experiences and hats that you've worn. Um, I would love to hear more about, um, I don't want to give all of the juice away. So I'll let you kind of like speak about the different populations you've worked with. Um, but as I was like listening to you talk, I was like, oh snap, a lot of the different people that Joe's worked with, the different um, things that she's, uh, different places she's worked in has, it's touched these areas where people can drive themselves mentally to a place of like, I don't even want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to deal with life. I'm going to mentally uh, turn, t- disconnect something, turn something off in my mind that'll make me numb to the situation so I don't have to be fully present for it. So this question might be a little layered and you can answer it however you want to answer it. But from your experience of dealing with uh, the different populations that you've dealt with in your social work background, um, what have you, what else, because you already mentioned not speaking was harmful. What else have you found has been harmful to people who have been in highly stressful mental situations and maybe with some mental abuse, emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical, sexual abuse, um, when there has been a possibility for someone's availability, um, what has been some things that you've heard from other pop- those populations that, man, if I just had this or if I just had someone that fill in the blank, that would have been super helpful. So everyone that I've spoken to from all the different demographics and financial statuses, all the different groups of people that I've dealt with, I've worked with children all the way up to much older adults, um, all with very different presenting issues. I think the common thread has been consistent support. Um, Resources like therapy, counseling aren't um, accessible to everyone. 
And unfortunately, that makes things harder. But because of that, consistent support is what is necessary. Um, That's something that that they that every person that I've talked to has dealt with. Um, They've lacked consistent support and support that they do have. Sometimes or most times, I think one of the most harmful things that happens is that people are quick to talk at people rather than with people mm-hmm. who are dealing with mental health issues. Um, and that further isolates, diminishes, minimizes, and quiets the already struggling voice. Mm. So because we feel like we're, because we're not going through the issue that they're going through, it's, it's easy to arrive at all of these conclusions and solutions Mm. for them. And so we are quick to just be like one, two, three, it's that easy. Here's my answer. You're talking to me about it. I'm giving you a solution. Just follow the instructions. I mean, God tells us all the time, don't do this, don't do that. And then he has to tell us for another 40 years. And then we're just wandering around in the desert anyway. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's just not that simple um, for some people. And it requires a lot of patience. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not saying that everyone needs to go be a social worker and learn how to be a therapist. But I... I am urging people to um, be as patient as God is with us, Mm. be as kind um, as he is with us and to be as loving and to be as gentle and to be as firm when needed Mm. and to be as um, just to be a light Mm. and a peacemaker um, in those situations. And sometimes I think peacemaking Mm. um, requires conversation and not just Here's the problem. Okay, here's the solution. One, two, three, now go do it. Mm-hmm. Man, um, there's so many things lighting up in my brain when you were talking because it's like we have oversimplified people becoming whole. Um, and we all have brokenness, but some people's brokenness is a lot more apparent than others. And just hearing you talk about people in the populations you've worked with and how that's been damaging for people to be like, yo, how about one, two, and three, everyone's happy, you know, like it's not that cute and simple for people to just get a formulaic answer. Sometimes people's wholeness and healing is through a lifetime of work. And yes, they, they might not be where you expect someone in their thirties, forties, fifties, sixties to be, but with the presenting realities that they have, um, they should just be applauded for being alive. Like, and I love like, yo, thinking about the Lord and how he treats us and being filled with that same level of compassion and just characteristics. Because if we thought about the different times where like, again, we might not have like certain, certain like mental impotences that some others might have. Like we find you should think about where, where, where like on the spectrum of with all of God's graces and with all the things that we've been presented with, um, why we haven't been as well off or good as we could be in air quotes, you know? Um, and it's like, we don't always have the same grace with people and have the same compassion with people because sometimes it is just what you're presented with at birth. My brother is 
bipolar. He didn't ask for it. He didn't like mess up somewhere along life, <laughs> you know? And um, mm -hmm. most of my conversations with him are just like exactly what you said. You're, you're alive. And despite like what the world standard is for you right now, I want to applaud you for, for still being alive and for not giving up because it's difficult when you're presented with something as unfair and as just unfortunate as not always having control of what mood you're going to be in. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's like, and you know, being raised in a Haitian household, <laughs> putting no one on blast, but being raised in a Haitian household and it's, it's easy to just be like, bro, come on, get it together. And it's like, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, if only it were that easy. Mm -hmm. So I really resonate with that. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I know th those were the scenarios that were playing in my mind is my own family, my own culture, how easy it is to see someone not not be well and say, oh, you, why, why are you so sad? Like, go do something. Like, are you bored? Like, go clean something. Like, <laughs> there's stuff to do all the time. <laughs> you know? um, and it's like, it's, it's this attitude of just get it together, figure it out. We don't got time for this. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not to bash anyone. Mm. It's just, it's just, I mean, that within itself is probably a whole other podcast, yeah. but it's just layers of, different things that our minority cultures have had to endure that has had to, that has made them obligated them to be resilient. Yeah. And so we are resilient even to our detriment. Mm. Um, and I, and you know what, as a social worker, I'm going to say I'm guilty of that. I've done mm. that. I have looked, I have turned to my loved one and said, you know what you have to do. I don't know why we keep having the same conversation. And I lose my patience. I'm human. It's okay if it happens, guys. <laughs> um, but but just realize it. And um, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's, it's just not that simple. Um, it's... Very, it can be very complicated. Again, I'm not telling people you have to like wear the social work hat, but I think you you need to tune into what holiness means. It's not, um, it's it's not a powerful prayer moment. It's not only a powerful prayer moment where uh, someone gets baptized in the spirit and starts speaking in tongues. Mm -hmm. That moment comes and goes. Sometimes a very holy supernatural moment is a, com a simple conversation with someone that you need to hear out and be present for. And it's sometimes the accumulated conversations over the years. Uh, Those are natural, holy, God-ordained moments that sometimes are in the quiet of your home, through a Zoom, through a text, that not everyone is going to see. And sometimes that is the miracle sign and wonder. Uh, uh. That is mighty yummy, Joe. Um, ah, because I'm thinking of like, because I love, if we have not been clear as day, we are not advocating for anyone to give therapy out their backyard. <laughs> Please, if you have a passion to help people, get licensed, put in your hours, and then open up your own profession or join one. But what you're saying is powerful because it's like, when we become more holy, 
which literally means like set apart. We're not as dismissive as our culture can tell us to be. Our family of origin can tell us to be. We become a lot more in tune with the spirit and how the spirit can be telling us not only have compassion for this person because you don't know what they've been through, but this person could literally teach you something like the fact that the different wiring of their brain, if we want to get into like, there's so many different pockets we could talk about, but the way their brain is wired differently, they're still beautiful. There's still something in there that you don't have that will will give you an under, a better understanding of me. So God uses those different moments to show us the beauty and his diversity. And not like that there's something faulty or wrong in someone, but the beauty and his diversity and how we could still learn through the lens of people. I want to bring my friend Nick on one day um, so he can speak about raising autistic children and what he's learned. Not that, mm. oh man, that's been so difficult having autistic kids. He's grown as a man, as a father, as a person, because he now gets to see the world through his kids' eyes and find found beauty in it. Um, and what you're saying, Joe, I love is because it's like when you not just try to do therapy with people, but when you become a better person, when you be, when you grow in social work skills, that makes you a better person. And now you have mm -hmm. the ability to walk around with the compassion that other people sometimes need and not like a whole whatever, you don't have to have all the answers, but sometimes they just need that listening ear, that holy moment of you having that different heart, you having that different ear and spirit, one that's like the Lord's, that has the bandwidth to <clears throat> affirm someone, have a conversation, a consistent conversation, and hold space for that person, even if what they have to say isn't like, hey, yeah, my day was great, but it's like the complete opposite. Mm -hmm. You know what all that uh, you just said brings to my mind is, so let's take it back to the, to the Bible. And because, you know, there are some people that sometimes say, great, like these conversations are great, but how do I connect the two? Mm -hmm. um, there weren't any therapists that were, you know, <laughs> like actual licensed therapists, right. um, you know, back in the Old or New Testament. But you can, if you look at it from a, a different perspective, if you start looking at some of the characters in the Bible, you'll start picking up some stuff. Mm. Like, oh, did they battle depression? Mm. I'm pretty sure Job did. Mm. Look at his life and all he's all the loss, mm. all the grief for years, mm. one after another. How he was still living, I don't know. I don't know. But all this loss and he had, you know, he didn't, he didn't go see a therapist. He didn't, he had friends who had, who had to lean on because they were each other's keeper. Yeah. I am first keeper. And they didn't have all the answers, but they had conversation oh. and they may not always have been right and had the right answers, but at one point they pointed him back to yeah. God. That's community. Yeah. Mm. Or David. And the king, when the king was being tormented, they call on to David. David wasn't a That's therapist. music therapy right there. Right. Right. We have terms for these things right. now. That was worship. That was worship. Ooh. It was music therapy. Who? What was he? Was he schizophrenic? Mm. I don't know. Mm. But again, I am my brother's keeper. Even though the same king 
is the man who he has like all these issues with down the line. God still says, you need to serve this man, knowing what was going to happen down the line. Ah, uh, Joe. Um, I want to read, because um, me, I want to read this. I mean, me, Sandy, and Shay, our daughter, um, always do devos at night. Um, and they're based off of whatever song comes to Sandy's heart. So I'll pray. Sandy will get inspired um, to read us, to sing a song because of the prayer. And I'll get inspired to find a scripture that ties in with that. She sung, Great is Thy Faithfulness. And not everybody always ties that song with the scripture, but great is thy faithfulness is in Lamentations. <laughs> that scripture <laughs> reference is in Lamentations, which maybe it's just a social worker in me and probably the both of us, because you would like point of the Job. I love Job. I love that book. It just has so much mess in it. And it just reminds me that life is supposed to be messy. Anyway, goodness great. We can go for a while. But um, I also love like the Ecclesiastes of the world. I love Lamentations. Like I love these books because they get into mess real life and it's not just like happy joy and my life has not been happy joy um the lord has delivered right and he's like brought us from a lot of craziness but life is not still to this day all roses and glitz and glam um so i you can read please in your own time read lamentations 3 the whole chapter and see in verse 23 where it lands it lands on great is thy faithfulness but I want to read a, a small portion become before he comes to the place of like hope and beauty and God's faithfulness. So this is what we read today. Lamentations three. Oh Lord, this whole thing is all really interesting, but um, let's go three. Um, ah, 18, 18. Let's just go 18 because no 17. It's even better. I've been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. Then I thought my future is lost. This is Jeremiah, the great prophet. But that book is also very dark, um, as well as my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction, my homelessness, the wormwood and the poison. I continually remember them and have become depressed. So it's great to go through Romans eight and talk about like all the beautiful promises we have in there. Like no condemnation for those found in Christ Jesus. We've been made um, perfect by his blood. Like we can look through all of those beautiful promises throughout, not just Romans eight, but the new Testament. Um, but I think we lose the purview of like the true beauty of the world and landscape that God has given us when we kind of just mm, X out, don't preach, don't refer to those kind of scriptures where, you don't even have to like read between the lines. Jeremiah straight up says, I've become depressed. And that's a lot of people who believe in God's realities, their day-to-day reality, that they struggle with a real mental fog that feels like weight and pressure bearing down on them. So Lord, before we get into like that whole, we can get into so much from that. My, my last question to you, Joe, Lord, help me not go on tangents ah see this is like scratching that itch for me joe it's been a minute since we've had one of these convos so as you guys can see anyone listening yeah we the the rabbit hole is is quite depth is quite deep um i want you to i just want to end with asking you to speak more about 
the space that we don't hold for people who live as believers, but still live either with some kind of melancholy and weight um, that makes them feel like, man, is my Christian experience real? Because I do still have like levels and bouts of depression or I'm around people who experience that. Like, how can we, how do we live in that tension? If you could speak more to that. Ooh, um, hmm. So I think that it is important to note that what we experience, what we live out, our experiences and our emotions are very real. They were fabricated by God in our bodies for a reason. Um, I also think and know that God's truth is God's truth. His word is his word. And I think that both things can coexist. Yeah. Both things. It's not one or the other. It's both. It's I'm a human and I am struggling with these thoughts and emotions and God still holds space for me and still promises these things to me and still says these truths about me. I am struggling to see myself this way, yet God still sees me that uh, way. I think I think that it's okay to admit when we're struggling, not just to ourselves, but to God. Yeah. Um, there have been many times that I have had to vent it all out because one thing, see, I think that as believers, we make the mistake sometimes because we're afraid to offend God. Um, mm or to just be wrong or faithless, we're afraid to admit how badly we might feel about ourselves or how much we doubt. Mm. Um, and so instead of admitting to it and confessing it as the word says to, you know, give him our burdens, we bury it and act as if it doesn't exist and then sing, holy, holy, holy. Mm. And yet we are singing holy, holy, holy and not casting our cares onto him. Uh. And I think it's okay to have these, these burdens, cast them on, cast it onto him and then still sing holy, holy, holy. Uh. Um, there's a verse that I will never forget that David, um, and it's in the Psalms that he tells his body at one point, like his body is done. Yeah. His body has no, nothing left in him. And he says, body, I need you to get it together. And I need you to wash it. I need you to, I need you to, let's go meet me where I'm at. And I'm not saying that you have to, you know, like always have that energy, but I think it's safe to say, God, I'm not okay. And yet I know that your promise for me is to be okay. Mm. I know I'm sick right now. And yet I know that your promise to me is to be healthy. Mm. Just because I don't see it right now does not mean it do it's not true. Oh. I had a very powerful moment that I shared with someone recently actually who was going through something very similar to your question um and i shared with her one of the most powerful moments i ever experienced with god and i'll end with this i um as you know jay i can be very hard on myself um and one day i think i was just so overwhelmed by my own thoughts and, and emotions that um God called me to journal and he said, I need you to list down every single raw detail 
every, I need you to list one, two, three, however many there are things that you are saying about yourself. They were all negative, negative talk. Um, and I need you to write it down. I was scared, (laughs) but I did, I did it. And then he said to me, then he said to me, I, I'm hurt that you would talk about my daughter in this way because I don't think of you or see you that way. And then there were more, there was more, I can't remember everything that he said to me, but he was honest with me. He also held space for me. And then he said, now I need you to list what I'm about to tell you. And then he started listing literally word, like if for every negative thing I had to say about myself, he had a truth for every single one of them. And it was the most liberating experience ever. And while it was the most powerful experience ever, it doesn't mean that I don't sometimes go back to that negative list and think those things about myself Uh, anyway. But that that doesn't mean that I can't go and pick up truth again. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Bars. uh... I mean, you tell me if I was lying. I, I think she's properly nicknamed. Um, goodness. <sighs> oh, that that was good. That fed me. That fed me. Um, the journey, yo. The journey and the inner work of being a being a believer, honestly. Because what I just got from you is, look, it's not like we get a magic wand um, when we get saved. We get the tools and we get connection to the source. Of whole of wholeness, which helps us go back to him time and time again, when we're more when we as we become aware of our brokenness like that. Oh, I'm gonna be on that for a little bit. Oh Lord, yeah, that was yummy, um, Joe. I appreciate your time, um, your expertise, your, your your the gift of your knowledge, wisdom, and understanding that you shared with us. Um, this is first of many. I feel like we could just do, we can do, oh man, unseen. We have a bunch of, we have a bunch of dreams and we'll unfold those things to the audience, um, in weeks and months and years to come. But, uh, we need to do this often, just a table talk for mental health, um, and host just space for believers to continually have permission to say I'm not okay, but I'm but I love God. Like this has just fed me as someone who's in that category. Um, man, Joe, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. This was this was great. This was so good. <laughs> so good. Yo, that, that, I don't got a cute ex, ex, exit. I'm just I'm a little floored right now. We'll catch y'all soon. <laughs> yeah, be easy. <laughs> Bye.